Hi, everyone, and thank you for tuning into Business Insights, a podcast series brought to you by Annex Business Media and MNP, one of Canada's leading national consulting firms. My name is Paul Grossinger, and I am the Director of Content at Annex Business Media, Canada's largest B2B media company. Today, I am honored to speak with Jim Cruikshank from MNP, who will be sharing his thoughts on the new workplace, including what employees and employers want as Canadian businesses prepare for the next 12 to 18 months. Jim, welcome to Business Insights. Can you just uh, let us know a little bit about what you do at MNP and how long you've been there? Sure. Um, uh, I joined MNP actually recently back in uh, late October, um, six months ago. And um, so uh, what, uh, what I do uh, as part of our org renewal practice, I, I really lead our human capital consulting function and that uh, you know really is the work with our clients in the areas of HR management, uh, HR strategy, organization design and helping organizations kind of navigate change in the world. So those those three areas all are, are uh, uh, in my portfolio. I see. Um, that's great. And so uh, it, it makes a perfect segue into our discussion on sort of upskilling and and the survey we did and sort of where businesses are these days. Over the last year, a lot of companies have talked about new products and new markets and strategic alliances. Have you found that a lot of companies are also talking about HR and how the pandemic has changed their approach to staffing? Um, yeah, I, I really have. And what you've really, um, because what, what we've seen is, is we've gone through a tremendous amount of of change in how we work and the cultures of organizations, change that would normally have taken years, we did in weeks for many of our clients, uh, reactionary to a crisis. Um, and now that we're later, you know, we're a year into, you know, the, the pandemic and knock on wood, light at the end of the tunnel, a lot of clients are now thinking about you know what are the pieces of how we've how we've worked how our you know we've restructured work from home and remote work what are the benefits of that been what can we keep and what shouldn't we keep and what can give us a you know if we adopt different ways of working where some things were kind of a surprise competitive advantage that they can keep down the term they were kind of forced to do um so they're but they're i, I think it's fair to say a lot are still thinking about what to keep and what to throw away. I see, I see. And we've talked to some of your colleagues about technology and digital transformation and things like AI and automation. What role does technology play in the HR world these days in terms of staffing and, and, um, and potentially upskilling? In terms of staffing, you know, the technology and the, the technology enables you to really access skill and capability from all kinds of geographies, regardless of, you know, where people and where your employees may sit. There's been, I'm sure, you know, a lot of press has happened about people wanting to work, uh, you know, in nice sunny, warm climates when you're stuck in a Canadian winter, right? Um, that's all technology enabled. Um, but I think what you're, you're starting to, you're, you're starting to see is, people need to work differently now than they did a year ago. And everything from, you know, when you think about the different skills and skill acquisition, 
many people have had to, you know, learn to use video conference technology like this one. They've, you know, becoming the rule and not the exception. Like a year ago, if you asked someone to join you on a Zoom call, uh, like that, that was something they didn't do a whole lot of, uh, you know, and, and uh, now imagine if you asked them to join something in person, what reaction you'd get. Right. Um, so people have had to learn to navigate that way. You've had to learn when I see about HR and leadership, leaders have had to learn to facilitate meetings differently to conduct to engage staff differently, uh, engage customers and clients in different ways. One of the areas where I've seen that companies have really had to adapt are those that are in kind of a, 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 a retail and customer service kind of orientation, right? Because there is no person-to-person -person interaction anymore. Well, they need to, you, you, you need to kind of have a, a different skill set internally in, in companies that are much more technology-oriented and less sort of traditional retail sales-oriented. So it's, it's a different... We're seeing a different mix of skills required for future success than we did a year ago. I see. And one of the things that I've been reading about is this whole idea of, uh, of reskilling, right? Mm -hmm. And skill sets are changing. Can you talk a little bit about the difference between upskilling and reskilling? When you're talking about upskilling, you're talking about building on a skill or a capability that you already have in some way, right? Um, and whether, for example, it is um, it is me it is meeting facilitation. You you may have great in-person facilitation skills that work great in a boardroom. When you're surrounded by 15 people, you can reach out and touch. There are different ways now as a facilitator, you know, to say, well, I can use a virtual message board, a virtual whiteboard. I can. I need to structure our conversation with groups differently to get the same result that I used to be able to get when I could do it in person. That is an enhancement of a skill that someone already had. And that's available where you can get your own online training. There are, there are, there are organizations that offer that kind of training. That's, that, in, that for me, that is upskilling, right? Um, when you're looking at reskilling, this is something that is new. It's, it's, it's acquiring a skill that's new and necessary to operate today that you didn't have before. Right. Right. And, and so in, in, in that case, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm in the, I'm in the HR world. Um, and, uh, and so you see a lot of people that are, looking at adding something new to their kit bag, whether it is, it's a different way of, of planning, for example. But when you're looking at reskilling, you're trying to put yourself in the position of the people who are actually either buying something from you or getting a service from you, and their expectation is different, right? right? Um, and, um, and so before, for example, they would look to someone to say, traditional manufacturing, uh, is our is our new competitive advantage? Well, now that's no longer possible in a lot of places, and so that they they've had to readapt to do like a, a um, much more higher level of automation. They've had to look at different ways of sourcing things as opposed to making things. Right. Um, so again, back to a comment earlier, it's about mix, and the world is just so different. 
today than it was a year ago. What people need to themselves to be successful working their way through a day right. is different fundamentally than it was 12 months ago. For sure. And I guess um, if you could just share some stories with uh, not specific about clients, but when you're talking to clients over the last year, have you found that a lot of com companies are looking at like a digital audit or digital transformation and, and exploring their digital infrastructure? Are companies also doing um, and talent audits to see if their talent does match with what their their strategy is for the future? Is that happening? It, it, it's it's just starting to happen. Um, and um, and kind of back to where we started, right? A lot of a lot of clients and a lot of organizations learned how to work differently because they were forced to and they did it in a matter of weeks. And you know, for probably you know the last you know for the first 10 months, maybe nine, 10 months, People always kept thinking about, you always heard in the market, I'm just going to wait till things go back to normal. And then, you know, before we make any other changes. And I think what you've now started to see is, well, the normal of 12 months ago, we're not going back to. Um, and what we do change to is just going to be something a bit different. And, and so there is now a bit of that realization, starting with but it's starting with the strategy of the company before you get to the people side of the talent part of your question is companies are deciding, you know, what is their competitive advantage in the market and is it different now than it was before, right? Um, yeah. And it, as that translates down to the workforce, they will say again, people need to work differently in different environments. Do they have the right ability to do digital sales? Do they have the right ability to manage inventory or, or manufacturing differently? Do they recruit differently? Do you teach differently? Um, are there, you know, those, do you manage people's performance differently? Those are things where clients or co companies are now saying, if our strategy is different, our talent needs to be different and odds are, it's technology related and we're probably going to need to look at filling some skill gaps that work just in a different way. Right, one of the questions we asked in the survey was sort of what, what people thought were their biggest growth constraints going forward. 40% mm -hmm. in the first survey said it was human capabilities and skills sh shortages and only 33% uh, in the second survey said that. Um, are you finding with clients, is there a fear or a concern that they can't find people with the skill sets they need. I think that I, I, um, I don't think. Well, let me say this differently. That's that to me in in the human capital consulting world has been a concern people have raised for a long time, right? Um, and I think people shed different light on it with a bit of a, a slant of what they might need coming post pandemic. Um, but I do think that there is a bit of a realization that while the world may be very different post pandemic, you know, it might not be, you know, as significantly different as we originally thought. Um, that there will be more of a hybrid working model, more people will return with vaccines to working in some traditional ways, but things will be different 
right? It's a matter of degree. So I think that's where you said, you know, um, it's, it, 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 there, there is a problem in, you know, um, some skill areas of shortages, but I don't think that discussion to me has really changed a whole lot. I see. Uh, just going back to the whole idea of upskilling, I think one of the areas that we discovered that to upskill, some uh, companies are going to have to assess their requirements, develop training. Um, how do companies make upskilling sort of sustainable and, and not a one-off, but an ongoing thing? Because things change, even though a lot of changes happen within a short period of time, change is inevitable, it's the only thing we know. So uh, I guess that sustainability is important. I know a lot of companies put emphasis on, tra on training, but they, they leave it up to the staff to do it. And they're so busy in their day-to-day, -day, they're not going to do it unless they're sort of mandated to do it, it seems. There is a lot of that of, of having to create time in people's days to be able to actually do training and engage in training. And, uh, but I think, uh, again, sort of culturally, there's a, there's a shift that's gone on in a lot of organizations that now see the importance of training as a real advantage for them in the market, an advantage for them going forward. So, uh, you know, they're starting to invest in redesigned training programs and what they're, but what they're doing and more are taking this approach that we're going to do whatever we can to upskill or reskill our people, um, regardless of whether that individual stays here or, or takes this new skill and moves on, right? Um, like that, that they've just decided that, that we will do what we can do to make people the extent that they're here, they can perform well, our business will thrive, but we also care a lot about people as people. And if they learn something that we teach them or we invest in and they take it somewhere else, that's a risk now more companies are willing to take right. uh, in today's market than they have before. And one of the things that, to sort of end the conversation, I wanted to ask you about, has corporate values changed over this when it comes to staffing and employees? Have Canadian companies shifted their values? I know profits are important and revenue is important, but has there been a shift in values at all, you think, when it comes to teams and people? Yeah, there, there has been a real sudden shift in, in values um, and more, you know, from, from the employees, from the individual person's perspective, right? People now value much more flexibility than they used to. They value personal safety more than, more, more than they have. Um, they value communications and connectivity, um, more in their day to day. Um, so if you looked at, you know, the top five or 10 cultural traits that, that people had in their workplace a year ago and measured all of those a year ago and compared them to today, probably half of them have changed because the ones that I've talked about, you know, this thing about safety and flexibility and connectivity and communications and need for clarity have all risen to the top where a year ago people were looking at rigidity, budget, profitability, productivity, um, all of uh, like, and, and so yes, you've seen that change and employers need to understand that what their employees value now is different than it was a year ago. And the way that we need to support employees mm. is different 
because what they care about is different. Right. One of the, the groups of people we're targeting for this content is the HR professionals. What advice do you have for people who run in the HR industry or profession about going forward? What what should they be doing in their organizations to get us through, sorry, you said the light at the end of the tunnel? It starts with this cultural piece that we've just been talking about is really, because your ongoing success is dependent on your people. And we have to really, get, companies need to understand how they're, how their team, whether it's frontline staff, leadership staff, middle management, how people's values individually have changed and how that's going to impact that the work they do or how you need to structure work for people. Because, you know, um, uh, again, it's a bit of a different world. I'll use this, you know, the, just think of this need for flexibility um, and how companies need to what practices, what policies do they need to have that enable people to work in different ways than they did before? And some of that is you've got, because if you don't cater, if you don't tailor the way you work to what your employees' values are, those employees are going to find somewhere else where they can get their values fulfilled. And so that's going to speak to turnover. I know in our corporation, like we put a big emphasis on, on communication over the last year, right? Mm -hmm. And another thing is, is the identity of mental health. I assume that plays a huge role in terms of how people work and be productive on a day-to-day -day and, and survive sometimes. Yeah, and for sure. And for, you know, a lot of um, a, a lot of companies and a lot of teams, you know, we've, we've um, if you think back to individuals, you, people of this world is so isolating now. So people really crave contact and they crave communication. And it's, it is so much more of a part of people's days and things that they'll look for in the way that work get work really gets done. Someone asked me the other week about sort of what I miss most like pre-COVID and like, I don't even remember what pre-COVID was, but uh, it was more like, I just miss the, the options to do stuff. Like I miss the option of yep. going in, like I don't mind working from home, but it'd be nice to go in once a week to see my team or go for lunch with them or, and so I think we're all zoomed out. Like I had a, a chat with Mary Lawson at MNP and she said is that the big problem she's facing now is that everyone seems to be booking Zoom calls after Zoom calls and no one's taking a break to think anymore. <laughs> right? Well, and but I think that's really true. And, and the days get longer, um, you know, it, it's, uh, and what you used to be able to do, I said this to a client or just not a client, to a colleague the other day, I'm the type of guy that likes to walk down a hallway, be able to stick my head in someone's door, talk to them for five minutes about something and walk away. Well, that interaction now has to be likely in a half hour Zoom call. So, you know, um, because I don't know anybody that books 15 minute Zoom calls, uh, <laughs> it at least doesn't seem to. And um but you know the 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 other the other piece of of it that you see in people that's really careful and the HR function plays a big piece of it is monitoring people's burnout um, because you know the days are longer right um, a lot of people you know you can they they don't have an official start to their day and they don't have an official end to their day because their laptops sitting on their desk. You can easily look at it at seven o'clock in the morning and 10 o'clock at night. And most, and a lot of people do, and you just can't. What I hear from a lot of clients and is that 
their workforce just they they can't get away from work and um and so you're starting to back to you're starting to see organizations think about how can we structure our people's work days so that they actually do have a start and do have a stop i you know i I have people, a client of mine the other day said he now, you know, at the uh, at six o'clock at night, he works at home. Um, six o'clock at night, he turns off his computer. He puts his notebook in his briefcase. You know, he clears off his work desk and he sets his briefcase down as if he did, as if he was coming home from the office. <laughs> and all he's doing is walking out his door and he's in his kitchen. Um but it, that creates for him this picture of my day is ended. That's what I, I try and do. Like at five, six o'clock on a Friday, a Friday, I shut down my Outlook. I still have my computer open, but I don't get pinged for work emails. All right. right. So, uh, but it's hard. But um, Jim, I really appreciate the time today. Um, I really enjoyed our conversation. And I know our audience will find your insights and experiences regarding human resources, talent acquisition, and skill development informative and useful. Great. Thanks very much. Stay tuned for future episodes of Business Insights brought to you by MNP. Please check out mnpbusinessinsights.ca to listen to other episodes of our podcast and to learn more about the impact COVID-19 has had and is having on Canadian businesses from coast to coast.